The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Gilded Balloon with Miles Jupp. Welcome to The Guardian live at the Gilded Balloon. I'm now backstage. We've just recorded the show. We ended with a great chat with Danny Robbins. Uh, we also had on Teddy, Hills Barker, Alan Cochran, Sarah Millican, and The Guardian's very own Brian Logan. Let's start with a short set from Teddy. first guest is a rare sight in Edinburgh at this time of the year. It's a Scottish comedian who lives and works in Scotland. Uh, he's performing every night at the stand. Do what you can to see his show. Ladies and gentlemen, Teddy! Hello! Now, I am from Scotland, that's right. I'm from just about half an hour north of Edinburgh, a little town called Dunfermline. And then a few years ago, I moved to Edinburgh, bit of an upgrade. And, yeah, and then a couple of years back, uh, I got a day job working in Maryhill in Glasgow and moved again. Bit of a downgrade. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with Mary Hill, you might know it as the place where Taggart is set. Um, yeah, basically to summarise, for the first time in my life, in relative terms, I'm now tall and handsome. So, it has been something of a result. Uh, I still remember that first day, queuing up in the bakers for my lunch, looking down on a sea of heads and thinking, fuck, I am Gulliver. And everyone in Glasgow at the moment is really excited because Glasgow's been awarded the Commonwealth Games. Now, just in case anyone doesn't know what that is, uh, imagine the Olympics without the winners. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll toughen up. <laughs> and that's going to be coming to Glasgow in a few years' time. And at the moment, everyone's really excited. And they're just going, oh, it'll be great for the infrastructure, the development, the economy, the profile. All I've really noticed is that it's made watching the news in Scotland much more exciting. I really like it when they send some cub reporter out to the east end of Glasgow with a camera crew going up to people going, excuse me, sir, are you excited about the Commonwealth Games coming to the city? What's that? <laughs> um, it, it, it's a series of athletics events. Like what? L- like the javelin. What's that? <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's like a giant needle. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> so... They are very excited about that. <laughs> But of course, it's not just drugs that can addle our minds. Um, we are an ageing population. Um, do you ever think if a married couple both get Alzheimer's, would life just become like a series of one-night stands? <laughs> just the pair of them waking up every day thinking, oh, who the fuck is that? <laughs> both pretending to asleep in the hope the other one will leave. No, but, but seriously, if you get the chance, do sleep with one. In the morning, you tell them to leave. You've now got a house. <laughs> In these times of credit crunch, that is good advice. Now, I don't want to dwell too much uh, on the whole topic of um, you know, sleeping with older people to improve your property portfolio. <laughs> but Heather Mills... <laughs> no, but it's, it's a shame that whole divorce, because at first, that was quite a nice story. It seemed like the whole fairy tale, because they'd both been through a tough time, and then they found each other. It seemed quite nice. For me, the shine went off it at the point where they had the baby, because uh, they announced the baby had been conceived in Iceland. Now, I'm not going to make the crap, obvious gag of what the supermarket. Um, although, clearly, when I say I'm not, what I mean is that I am. Because <laughs> that's the grimmest image ever, isn't it? Heather bent over one of the freezers. Even as her and Sir are at it, he's looking over her shoulder at Linda's face in a packet of vegetarian sausages. <laughs> You know, I am so glad you're laughing at that. (laughs) Usually people just stare at me like I'm the official comedian to the Taliban. Um, Which is a gig I sometimes ponder, actually. Um, 
often think what I would do if I was the Taliban's comedian. I think it's a little bit of a heckle from an ice cream van super. I think I'd probably walk out on stage, you know, at the Kandahar Palladium, walk out, open quite strongly with it. I tell you what, lads, lads, because I don't imagine many women in that audience. <laughs> I tell you what, lads, uh, people are always saying to me, being in the Taliban, can you find your wife's clitoris? I say, easy, there it is in that jar on top of the mantelpiece. <laughs> Birthdays, I like to take it out, give it a rub, sake. You see, I love you. <laughs> we were friends up until now, ladies and gentlemen, let's not ruin it on that. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the rest of your Fringe and the rest of your podcast. Thank you and cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, on our last podcast, uh, horse racing correspondent Cornelius Lysett was here to give us his festival tips. Uh, In case you missed that show, let's remind ourselves of what he said. There's a guy called Alan Cochran... Um, yeah. who, uh, no, he never, gets a, he never gets a mention from anyone. I can't think of a comedian I'd rather meet at a bar and have a drink with. He's, you know, he's funny, uh, he's dry, uh, he's got some fantastic stories to tell about fatherhood over the last 12 months, and I, I think he's a must-see, and he spells his name A-L-U-N. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome A-L-U-N Cochran! <laughs> Alan Cochran, were you aware of this, uh, this fan? No, uh, but I like the sound of him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, A-L-U-N, That's, it's the Welsh spelling. I'm, uh, I'm a Scottish boy with an English accent and a Welsh spelt first name. And I show off for a living. It's no real surprise, is it? I'm very confused about who I actually am. Are you having a, a nice Edinburgh so far? Yeah, yeah, it's good, especially now that I've heard clips of people who think I'm a must-see. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I was in a little bit of a huff about this gig until you played that, and then I thought... Yeah, it's all right gigging on a morning, after all. Um, <laughs> if they massage your ego by playing clips of people that say you're good, it's okay. Uh, I, I don't know if the podcast listeners know that this is recorded at noon, but it's very rare in my stand-up comedian's life that I think I'll have some Weetabix before the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm entirely firing on all cylinders comedically but hopefully eventually the whole grain fibre will kick in. <laughs> and then I'll take this gig apart. <laughs> uh, uh, your show is called what? My show is quite a long and clunky title. I will, shall I pronounce the full stops as well? It's called Alan Cochran, owner of a shed, full stop, and a son, full stop, thinks the world is wonky. It's quite a long one. And I thought the and a son bit was a joke because I like the idea of claiming ownership of my son which I mean I do own him he's mine but <laughs> but I actually thought it was a joke and you know the Guardian magazine has those uh, slightly po-faced Q&A questions with celebrities on Saturdays and uh, there was one with P Diddy and he was asked the question what's your most treasured possession as hi- and his answer without any discernible wit or humour or irony was easy question, my children, and I just thought, oh God, I've written a joke that P. Diddy is living. Because um, <laughs> I thought, you can't really own them, can you? They're, I mean, he's mine, but he's not, is he? It's, he's, he's himself. He's, he's, a, he's not a possession yet, is he? Or maybe he is now, and then he will be less so when he's got his own personality. <laughs> Discuss. How, how long have you owned your son, or, uh, or had him? How long has he been in the world? He's, uh, he's just over one year. His birthday was August the 6th, and I flew back from Edinburgh to Manchester to spend the afternoon with him. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Well, you're all going all, but I can see at least ten faces who are looking in a Guardian way of going, ooh, the greenhouse gases, the greenhouse gases. <laughs> your carbon footprint, your carbon footprint. But it's fine, I put it on his. It's all right, it's not a problem. <laughs> it's all on his carbon footprint. We use those disposable nappies, so he's not an eco-baby, to be honest. And his buggy's a diesel. So it's just all on his carbon footprint. It does raise the interesting question of whether or not he has a carbon footprint or if it's all mine, doesn't it? I met somebody recently who lived in Australia and she had bought a cat from Perth. And so her cat was being flown to Melbourne. And, and I was going, well, that's, that's on his, it's on the cat's carbon footprint, isn't it? The carbon paw print, I don't know. Maybe they get more as well because they've got four paws and we've only got two. I am thinking aloud now, but <laughs> seems fine. Wow, uh, I should have Weetabix before gigs more often. <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you do then when you went home with your son? Did you, did you, did you actually play with him or when you got there? You think, uh, no, he was at the Childminders. I completely forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we got him out of the Childminders. We did put him in on the morning. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? But it's 35 quid a day. Um, so <laughs> it's childminder like grown-up minder, but just sort of little Geordie gangsters. Is that yeah, yeah, it? just a little child that bullies people that come in his way. That's real. <laughs> if anybody tries to kick off with him, it's like a minder. It's like he's got his own. Um, who was the actor? Dennis no. Waterman. Was it Dennis Waterman? Oh right, that's where I got confused. I thought it was that thing with Jimmy Nailing. What was that called? That was uh, Spender. Spender. Right. Good call. Both excellent Good call. programs. Yeah, yeah, in their own way. I haven't seen them, uh, but <laughs> but I like their titles. They both end in duh. Yeah. Uh, and always always sounds authoritative. <laughs> I was thinking appropriately, given that you got it wrong. Duh. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a dad, but in my mind, I am 12. Um, yeah, so it's good. Uh, we, just, uh, we just had a nice afternoon. We, um, I had a lot of cuddles and rolling around on the floor, which is great fun. It is heartbreakingly lovely. Yeah. Um, now, did, did you get an opportunity to hook up with your shed while you were at home? Oh, my shed is in the title, but really it's... Uh, I like to think of the shed in the title of the show as a motif for me growing up. <laughs> it is. There's, there's no mention of the shed in the show. It's just in the title. Because I am a grown-up. I, I own a shed, you know. I, it came with a house, to be honest. I didn't go out and buy a shed, but it was in the garden when we bought the house, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll have that. Um, and I've got big ambitions for the shed. I'm an ambitious man. I was, I was thinking of homebrew. I, uh, I'll offset the credit crunch by brewing my own beer. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? But so far, all it's got is, uh, is like some gardening tools. But I do have the ambition to make homebrew. But then again, I had the ambition to make my own stock for about 10 years, and I've done it once. <laughs> When I, when I was at university, my friend Will Medvey and I, we wanted to start our own pate shop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was going to be called uh, Jap and Medvey, purveyors of fine foods to gentlefolk. Um, we wanted to sell stuff to rich idiots, uh, essentially, but then we realised neither of us had ever made pate before and knew nothing about it. But it's still a dream, Guardian. It is still a dream. It's, uh, it's tempting to ask where it all went wrong. <laughs> How, how did you accidentally trip up and end up in a successful show business career when you should be having a flagging pate career <laughs> to rich people? What was his name? Uh, Will Medvey. Menvey. Medvey, it's an uh, Austro-Hungarian name. It means, ah, right. uh, means honey bear. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cochran. We're going to be hearing from Sarah Millican, Brian Logan, and Danny Robbins. But before we get to that, I want to welcome another performer. She's performing her show called Exhibitionist every day, four o'clock here at the Gilder Balloon. Please welcome Hills Barker. Hello, how are you? You well? Fantastic. You seem very well. You having a nice festival? Yeah, you meet all sorts of people at the festival. I, I met this uh, woman yesterday who was very keen to tell me that she didn't like sex. And I don't know whether she was trying to preempt my advances or something. It's like, oh, I don't like sex. Oh, I don't like sex. Oh, I'd rather have a cup of tea. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but then afterwards I thought, damn, I should have got her to make me a cup of tea. <laughs> I bet she makes really good tea. And I've just missed it. Because that's what you need at the festival, isn't it? A good copper. It's either that or booze. And I can't buy any because Tesco Metro won't serve me alcohol. <laughs> I'm 31. <laughs> I don't know whether all Scottish people just look less fresh-faced or something. There's, there's a woman at this venue who's 24 years old and she got kicked out of the bar because they accused her of being a 12-year-old child. <laughs> so anyway, um, I am a massive fan of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> Any Bruce fans in? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I love Bruce, especially the songs about cars, which, to be fair, is most of them. <laughs> he loves a car, Bruce. All of his songs are called things like Wreck on the Highway, Drove All Night, Racing in the Street. Gets down to remarkable detail, like the first two lines of Racing in the Street, so evocative, genuinely go like this. I got a 69 Chevy with a 396 fuel injected with the gears on the floor. And I just used to listen to that and think, well, that's just not enough information, Bruce. Uh, we don't know a thing about the braking system, like what kind of drive shaft this baby's got. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really know what a drive shaft is, but I always feel sure Bruce could tell me, probably in a song. <laughs> Well, Hills, I understand that you've been wondering just what a drive shaft is. In a car, power needs to be conveyed from the gearbox, and this is the thing that transmits. Its function is to ensure a smooth and continuous action, because otherwise we'll be a bumpy ride and general passenger dissatisfaction. The front end of the propeller shaft is connected to the gearbox which is bolted to the chassis or body of the car. The other end's connected right to the final drive in the rear axle assembly which rises and falls as the springs flex. Sha -la, la la there's one exception to the drive shaft deal and that's the front drive cars and rear engine cars transmit the power direct to the road wheels. Now, obviously, Bruce did write another four verses to that song. Um, but I think it's best if we save them for another time. Thanks very much for listening. I've been Hills Barker. Brian Logan is one of the many comedy critics from The Guardian and now a famous musical director. He's here to give us his top tips and to help us plan our week. Please welcome Brian Logan. Oh, yes, sorry. Brian, Alan. Actually, Alan and I have two things in common. We have a very good friend in common, mm -hmm. uh, and I have recently acquired a shed also. Oh. 
So have you had a chance to talk about it backstage? You know, uh, uh, no, I, I, well, I arrived late, so no. Oh, right. So this is, this is news. There's been no shed chat thus far. <laughs> <laughs> but we, ha- we can indulge now. If yeah, like. fingers crossed. Uh, well, I, strictly speaking, I, I have an allotment. Oh, really? Yeah, and it came, it came with a shed, which is like one of the... F- uh, I've got number 31 on the, on the site, and it's Doesn't that one, mean of, one that of only about three with a shed. But don't you rent an allotment? That's not your shed, Brian. You come in here boasting about owning a shed. <laughs> We need more transparency in this business. That is just the sort of thing Britain doesn't need, frankly. It's people, people getting on the internet and boasting about sheds they don't even own. Uh, but strictly, strictly speaking, I refer to my house as my house, and that too is rented. I can well believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, good luck with the property ladder. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Brian, people are... People are still absolutely raving about uh, your project, uh, The Guardian, the musical. Uh, we've right, had and rightly so. Mark. Rightly so. It was, oh, it was tremendously, a tremendously moving and uh, enjoyable piece of theatre. Has there been any West End interest yet? Uh, I'm amazed to say there actually has been. Really? Yeah. Who, who from? Can you uh, say? Well, I'm, I'm scared of jinxing it, but we have had a, there's a, a comedy festival coming up in London, and they've sounded me out about the possibility of staging Guardian, the musical. That would be very, Would you use the same cast? You have to make well, it longer. It's the, about the, ten the, minutes. It would be a logistical and financial nightmare to even contemplate. The thing about good theatre is that people have to lose money. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I, I would go for it. Uh, now, uh, since we last spoke, Brian, you've uh, you've been to see Joan Rivers. I have indeed. How, how was that? Uh, well, you come away in awe at the ego <laughs> of this woman. Oh, I mean, really? It's, it's funny. It's entertaining, but. I don't know if you know it, so it's a one-woman play rather than a comedy show. So she, uh, it's a play about her life. It lasts an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, she talks about her first uh, role in theatre being off-Broadway, playing the lesbian lover to Barbara Streisand, which few people knew. But she also goes on to, to talk quite kind of a, a heart-on-sleeve about the suicide of her husband and about being elbowed out of various jobs. So, on the one hand, it's quite surprising that you're seeing this entertainer who's being very kind of emotionally frank. But about ten minutes later, you realise that that has all actually served mainly to achieve a, a kind of pre-programmed standing ovation at the end of the gig for quite how, what a struggler and what a survivor she is. At the end of the gig, she goes, she says, performing for you is my life and no one has the right to tell me not to do it. And so everyone throws themselves at their feet. You just realise you've actually been steamrolled and manipulated by an awesome human being's ego in full flight. Well... Um. <laughs> the only real question is how many stars. That's yeah. the only question I can think of. Uh, <laughs> what does it sound like? How many stars does that sound like? It sounds like a three that reads like a four, but um, that's, <laughs> that's an in-joke. <laughs> how, many, how many stars did you give it? It was a three that read like a four. Was it really? I, I said the sheer force of personality is almost irresistible. I thought the almost was pointed, but I'm sure most people didn't notice it. Right. Did the sub-editors leave it in? Uh, surprisingly, on this occasion, they did. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, because I'm, at the same time, Joan Rivers, she's a 75-year-old lady. She doesn't need to be here, and she is. That's Presumably. performing for you, Miles, is her life. And no one, no one has the right well, to tell she, her not to She do. came to see my stand-up show and uh, came to the dressing room afterwards. She, yeah. Wow. Uh, well, it was pretty... No, I didn't know, luckily, because I would have been very, very nervous. Uh, and uh, my friend, a friend of mine's parents were in, and they knocked to the dressing room to see me, and I said, hey, come in, and Joan Rivers was in there, and they thought, wow, he must be doing all right. She, <laughs> look who he hangs with backstage. I thought she was delightful, and she'd ask lots of technical questions and stroke about structure. So right. she struck me as being a proper craftsman, mm. but a lady. Craftswoman. 
A craftswoman, that's what they can be called. Is there not a guardian book of terms for uh, <laughs> exactly these sort of politically correct minefields? Uh, yes, exactly. Brian, can you give us your three top tips for the Fringe so far? Uh, Hans Theowen, the Dutch comedian. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a bit low lines on you, but there's a Belgian show, Traverse, which starts with the words once and for all, and has a very long title that I can never remember. But it's a bunch of teenagers uh, doing this spectacular show about adolescence at the Traverse. I can't think of a number three. They're my two favourites. There's, there's a third equal at about 15 shows. You've been writing this week about the upcoming If Dot Comedy Award. Uh, who do you think will win it? Well, given the If Dot Comedy panel's capability of pissing me off from one year to the next, I would predict Andrew Maxwell. But I'm, I'm also happy to predict Rod Gilbert, who everyone's... Uh, seems to agree has a very exciting show this year. Right, that's, that's two answers, isn't it? Two, yeah. two, one. <laughs> I'll give you a third if you want. No, no. One answer. Who do I think? I'll go for Rod Gilbert. I'll be optimistic. Brian Logan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sarah Millican has been with us here on the podcast since the start. She's still collecting great reviews. Please welcome Sarah Millican. Hello. Sarah Millican, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Uh, yes, fine, thank you. Yes, having a grand old time. Uh, you must be getting quite annoyed with your own hype. I'm not annoyed. Why would I be annoyed at people saying nice things? Is it because... Are you jealous? Is no. That... Oh, no, OK. Sorry, it just, is nobody saying nice things about you? Uh, well, I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't read reviews. I don't know what they're saying. Oh, should we tell I know you say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I happen to have here, no. Uh, uh, that would be mean. I don't believe it. Your pocket's probably weighed down with your own reviews. Uh, now... <laughs> It's only oh, banter, bless isn't you. it? You know what I mean? It's very exciting. People like Sarah and I, we don't normally meet socially, and it's, uh, it's just a wow, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah, there's a reason that we don't meet socially. <laughs> they, don't, sh- they don't let, let me in the pubs that you go in. <laughs> uh, last time you were on, you had a cold. Have you recovered? Yes, I have. Uh, I've been eating lots of uh, fruit, and, and I'm doing quite well. I've still got a bit of a, a husky voice, but um, apparently that's quite sexy. No. <laughs> Uh, you've been out you and about. Two, you two have the sexual tension of a Mulder and Scully. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with shorter than that. I'd say you two have the sexual tension of mould. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Oh. Uh, sorry. Uh, you've been uh, you've been out and about on our behalf this week. Uh, you met Kate have... Robbins. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. How was that? Uh, it was fun. She's really nice. I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect anything different. I don't, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? No, she was surprisingly nice. No, she was genuinely really nice. I'd only known her from the telly, from Spit and Image and things like that. Um, but she was a very nice lady. Uh, and you, you challenged her to a game of the world-famous Millican's Minute. <laughs> world-famous, yes. Famous in this room. <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. And we had a really nice time. I obviously had to have a chat with her, first of all, because I couldn't just dive in with sort of daft questions. Daft so questions. I, they're not daft. They're insightful, Miles. No, I think they're um, daft. I think they're insightful. Let's let the audience decide, shall we? Um, But I did ask, first of all, uh, how she started in her career. I must say, when I was a cocktail pianist in Liverpool in the 70s, which is how I started my career, people used to drink tea and Maria and Lucasaid. No. (laughs) That must taste foul. And I heard a girl saying in Liverpool recently, hey, hey, she said, get us a a large scotch and slim fast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that tastes like. 
But it might be good for you. Yeah. So tell me um, a little bit about your show. My show is um, talking about the fact that I started off life as a cocktail pianist and then I went from that down to London and my first songwriting commission was writing Surprise, Surprise for Sir Black. Oh, the theme tune. Another. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Surprise, surprise. She used to go to hospitals and try and cheer people <gasps> up with her voice, which, you know, <laughs> difficult thing to do when you're coming around from a double bowel operation and you see Scylla going, all right, love. But I used, to, I used to write songs for her to sing like, um, Laura the lollipop lady, we think you're very nice. I've come to sing this song to you because you've survived cervical cancer twice. <laughs> it was awful. Really awful. You're really good at rhyming illnesses with other words. That's brilliant. What I know you from is from doing impressions on the telly. So do you do uh, impressions in your show? Yeah, well, well, I do do impressions, but it's funny. When I met Princess Anne, I used to do her voice on Spitting Image. She said to me, what do you do? And I said, "Um, I I was about to say I do an impression of you, and I thought, well, I won't. And I just said, "Uh, I'm an impressionist. And she said, oh, super. Do you have an exhibition on anywhere? Bless. Um, she thought I was an impressionist painter. I do Anne Widdicombe these days, singing uh, singing Dido songs. She's got this break in her voice, right? So she can sing Dido really easily. I want to thank you for giving me the best years of my life in the Tory party, actually. And I do um, I do Marge Simpson singing Macy Gray, which is... I try to say goodbye and I choke. I try to walk away and I crumble. So what I do is I do mixed genres, you know. Uh, so she's from Liverpool, that's probably where you're from, is it? Somewhere like that? I thought so. Now, um, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> uh, let's have a listen to uh, daft old Millikan's Minute. Uh, the idea here is that you ask uh, French celebrities daft questions and they have to answer as many as they can in a minute. Uh, this is Kate Robbins. She's got Felix Dexter's 11 to beat. Kate Robbins on Millikan's Minute. Kate Robbins on Millikan's Minute. This is Millikan's Minute. Let's go, Kate. If your house was on fire, what would you leave? What would I leave? What would I leave? Yeah. Um, oh, all <laughs> my bills. All your bills. I like that. Um, what do you read on the toilet? <laughs> Heat magazine. <laughs> Brilliant. And what's your favourite film? Um, Sleepless in Seattle. And uh, what's your favourite non-alcoholic beverage of choice? Uh, Slim Fast. Excellent. Uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Scrambled eggs, bacon, tomatoes, mushrooms, haggis, black pudding, and toast. So you're not hungry then? <laughs> no, I'm going to go for lunch now. <laughs> and can you dance? Yeah. You can. Uh, what was your favourite holiday and when was it? Favourite holiday was Newquay, 1972. And if you were going for your Sunday dinner somewhere, would it be beef, pork, lamb or chicken? Uh, it'd be roast beef. Oh, good choice. Which newspaper do you read? Guardian. What's your favourite pudding? Favourite pudding is Spotted Dick. Elvis or Cliff? Cliff. Darts or pool? Darts. Early morning or late night? Early morning. Millikan's Minute. Sarah, what did Kate Robbins score? She scored 13. Well, let's see where that puts her on our leaderboard. (laughs) She asked our questions wherever she goes, but just how... That's where it puts her at the top, uh, ahead of Felix Dexter and Jim Bowen. Uh, 
Jim Bo- you interviewed Jim Byrne the other day. Yes, and, did. and he said, oh, my favourite film's The Music Man. And I got sent an email by someone who said, oh, I'm in The Music Man. And I just sent him back an email saying, that is Jim Bowen's favourite film. <laughs> oh, what a lovely story. Thank you. <laughs> want you to know you make a difference to my life, however small. Um, it's very nice of you to pop back on the show. Uh, uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Millican. We have time for one more guest on today's podcast. His show is called Danny Fest. It's on every night at 6pm in the Pleasance. Please welcome Danny Robbins. Hello. Danny, hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's very nice to see you. Uh, I last three, three years ago, we played football together. We did. We played in a critics versus comedians football match. Yeah. We were reminiscing about this before the show, and, and it became quite violent and unpleasant, I seem to remember. I, I thought, oh, this will be good fun. This will be a laugh. Oh, no. No, oh, no. no. It was quite the worst atmosphere of any sporting event I've ever attended. <laughs> the thing was, um, the, the critics all knew who we were because they had our flyers and they'd reviewed our shows, but we didn't know who they were. So there was this process going on during the match as people realised who people were, and they were like, he gave me two stars. And then the tackles would start getting harder, and Richard Herring actually seriously injured himself trying to foul someone who gave him one star. Yeah. <laughs> who, I, who, I think, who I think was a Guardian writer as well, actually. Yes. I think it was Leo Benedictus. Yeah, there we go. Name and shame. There we go. Uh, now, uh, it was an awful... Uh, there was a man called Tim Abrahams, I think. I, I shall have to cut this, but he... <laughs> he, he, it turned out, wasn't even a real journalist. Uh, he was like a violent ringer. Um, he studied my friend Humphrey in the back of the calf. Uh, Humphrey turns out to be a cousin of Cornelius Lysert. Anyway, there you are. Hmm? Bit of fun. Uh, now, sorry, Danny, wasting your time and theirs. Um, Happy days. Um, uh, your, your show is a, is a, a Glastonbury-style festival in one room. It is. It's a one-man Glastonbury-style festival in one room. Uh, so I, I chuck in everything you would expect at Glastonbury, uh, including, brilliantly, uh, this festival, lots of rain. I, right. I, feel like I've, I feel like I've engineered a month of rain for us. But um, no, I, I'm competing with Michael Evis to, to have my own uh, festival. And um, I, I guess... What made me do this was, I just thought there's so many festivals in the UK right now, they're everywhere. If you look at them, there's a map I found actually on the BBC website, which is basically England covered with dots and Scotland covered with dots, the whole of the UK covered with dots. You've got to be very careful, haven't you, when you're in Scotland not to say England. I just made the, card- uh, <laughs> the cardinal sin of referring to us being in England, we're not, please don't kill me. But um, <laughs> if you're armed, please stop. But um, no, um, no uh, the UK is covered with these dots and, and we are festival crazy. And um, I discovered this horrific truth that in the UK today, you are never more than six feet from the Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> it's a sobering and scary thought. Uh, now, it says uh, you, you expect uh, music, laughs, mud. Have you brought mud in? <laughs> you can expect music and laughs if you want, but... Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> if you will. But um, no, there is a bit of mud, and, and people always look a bit frightened when I say there's mud in my show, and I've got to stress, nobody gets muddy. No one comes in. It's not some sort of horrific, sort of Jackson Pollock meets Pooh sort of uh, affair, <laughs> affair, affair. But um, no, uh, we have a little bit of mud. We have a game, which is a little bit like uh, Jim Bowen's Bullseye, but with mud instead of darts. We have a game called Mud Fight, where two people throw mud at a target and win prizes. And um, every day I give away two litres of cider and it's um it's well yeah come along it's pretty good I can tell you but um but um no it, it's thrown me into this terrible conundrum if I can use that word I, I feel I can on the Guardian podcast but um uh, every day I have to go to the Scott Mid supermarket which is a bit like the co-op for any English people um and um I buy two litres of cider and and some monster munch because I also give away monster munch in the show pickled onion monster munch in case you're wondering not flaming hot uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a classy date but um um, no, and I have to give away this. So every day this woman looks at me with pity. She goes, who is this man who comes in and buys two litres of cider and pickle onion monster munch every day? And I can feel her just going, this man's got problems. You know? <laughs> he, 
even tramps vary their diet. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and then I have to go, and I'm desperate to go, please don't judge me on this. It's props for a show. But I know if I do that, then I will then lose the respect of the men who sit outside the front of the shop and actually drink cider. <laughs> you know? I don't want to go down their eyes as some sort of uh, poofy fringe performer. You know? <laughs> So there we go, that's my festival in a nutshell. Uh, you've also been doing uh, work for the culture show? I, I have a little bit. A little bit less so since I started having the cider every day. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I had, to, um, had to become a goth for the culture show. I went off to the Whitby Goth Festival and became a goth, uh, which was fun. And so I've now introduced this strand in my show where I do gothic karaoke which is brilliantly uh, gothic versions of songs. So I do uh, Lady in Red in a gothic style, uh, The Cheeky Girls in a gothic style, uh, Bob Marley in a gothic style, which is quite offensive, actually. I didn't realise that until <laughs> I started. Uh, have you been to hang out with any uh, of the Edinburgh goths? Um, I, you know, I haven't. No goths have come to my show yet. I've been really disappointed. Oh, I was right. hoping the, the for Coburn a goth Street, contingent. If you go down Coburn Street, there's a lot of goths, but for some reason they've now moved onto the corner of Waverley Bridge and get in the way. <laughs> It'll be the cider. But um, <laughs> I, um, I saw a goth in a kilt the other day, which I, I was quite... I quite liked. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure. If, nothing underneath except some studs, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, please, can we get a big thanks to all my guests this morning? Teddy Hillsbarker, Alan Cochran, Brian Logan and Danny Robbins. Thanks very much for listening. Do keep downloading these podcasts at guardian.co.uk slash Edinburgh. Wiki wiki, peace out. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.